Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Let It Grow Investing. Thank you very much for being here. I am Jeff. And we're going to talk some stocks, some investing, some real estate, uh, try to cover all the different bases out there of getting your money, doing something for you and letting it grow uh, You know, as, as hard as we work to, to make that money. So thanks very much for being here. We've got, uh, got a fun one today. We're going to cover a lot of updates in the market. Uh, we're going to wrap out November. We're going to take a look at uh, what is in store for December. Uh, what the Fed's saying, what uh, some different companies are doing, and uh, just kind of get caught up here. So, uh, yeah, it's December 3rd, uh, Sunday, about 3 in the afternoon. This one will come out uh, probably Monday morning for most people. But, uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of different things going on in the market. We were able to see some some great gains for uh, November. We actually uh, got back to a point where things were looking pretty solid. I think we had... Uh, what was the total gains for November? We were up 8.9% uh, on the S&P 500. And that is the best monthly gain since July of 22. So that's definitely nice to see. Yes, we were coming off of a pretty awful uh, October. And uh, second half of September was pretty rocky as well. So definitely makes sense that we get a rebound coming into uh, uh, the start of November. We're going to see how this uh, or end of November, start of December. We're going to see what actually goes on from here. Are we able to uh, continue to see a Santa Claus rally? Is that going to be a thing? Or is it simply going to fizzle out like we have seen uh, so many times in the past over the course of the year? So when we had last spoke, we were looking at uh, Tesla. They were going to be releasing the uh, the Cybertruck on the 30th. And, you know, there was a lot of delays along the way. A lot of price target estimates as to what the Cybertruck was going to be selling for, the range that we were expecting, a lot of different things, right? And uh, those came out. Uh, much higher on the price, right? We were originally told that we'd like to see the Cybertruck around $40,000. Uh, the base model is looking like it's going to start at sixty-one dollars and going up to around $100,000 for the, uh, the go-fast, high-performance, uh, the Cyberbeast uh, Cybertruck. And um, I guess it's kind of on par with what the market is doing with other trucks that are in the same categories. Whether you're looking at the F-150 Lightning, the Rivian trucks, it's definitely priced competitively on that uh, that lower end. I still uh, uh, definitely more than what we were told that it was going to be to start with. So uh, interesting to see how that one's going to perform. I know a lot of people were uh, not so impressed. They didn't want to go ahead with some of their uh, orders, their reservations that they had on it. They had put the what two hundred and fifty dollars down and decided to uh, not go ahead with that. I know that uh, Tesla also did something that if you had one on order, you would get $1,000 off if you were looking to buy another uh, Tesla vehicle uh, in the, uh, the the rest of the four models in that time until your Cybertruck is available. Uh, I guess another way to boost some more sales and get some more people interested in other models while they're waiting on the Cybertruck. So now, as far as the range of the t uh, Tesla Cybertruck is uh, concerned, the, uh, the base model is looking at a range of about 250 miles, the all-wheel drive version about 340 miles of range, and then the Cyber Beast about the 320 miles of range. So uh, definitely less than we were hoping for. I know that they are looking to do an add-on battery pack that I believe goes in the bed, taking up uh, a little bit more of the little bit of bed space that is in the Cybertruck. Uh, I do believe payload is about 2,500 pounds. I really am not too sure what you're putting in that small of a bed that's going to be 2,500 pounds. 
uh, other than tow weight for uh, the 11,000 pounds of towing and, uh, you know, pin weight for for the, the truck, the actual towing capacity. Uh, not to get too in-depth in that, but um, really, I don't know what that extra payload you're, you're going to do without having a trailer. So uh, definitely makes sense for the, the towing. Uh, I still don't know that it's the vehicle that you want for towing capacity as the range is going to be so low. Uh, I still don't see it. I still think that diesel or gas trucks uh, are are winning in that towing race by far. Uh, but uh, the the cyber truck is not a slouch when it comes to actually how fast it is. And they're saying that the uh, the cyber truck, the beast mode, will go zero to sixty in about two point six seconds. They also uh, raced the cyber truck against a Porsche nine eleven. Um, and the the cyber truck actually won and at the same time the cyber truck was towing a porsche 911 and still beat it in a drag race so pretty embarrassing i i don't know if elon's got it out for someone over at porsche or someone did something to upset him but he definitely called him out on this one uh he also definitely went out and called out uh, bob Iger of disney basically uh uh a lot of talk back and forth that hey if you're gonna blackmail me with uh advertising uh, you know, don't pretty much, uh, to, to put it lightly in the, the ex expletives that he used in order to basically say, don't even bother. Don't waste your time. Take your ads down. And that actually, uh, spurred some more people cutting their ads off of X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And I believe that Walmart pulled theirs. A couple other people followed suit and, uh, took their ads off of, uh, the X platform as well. So that's definitely going to hurt, but, uh, we will likely see what happens there. Now, when we're looking over at Disney, we're actually getting some news that uh, they finally did something that I'm happy about. And that is the fact that they reinstated that dividend. Uh, so I really haven't taken a look into this too much. I saw the, uh, I saw the headline. I, I want to take a look and see what the actual dividend is looking like. And uh, if we pull up ticker DIS, let's see how they closed out on Friday. And I want to try to see when they actually uh, did this uh, this dividend reinstatement as well. Uh, let's go ahead and get over to that one. So that's um, yeah, a low dividend, right? It's a 0.65%, which is 30 cents per share. We're trading at 92.58. Uh, looks like we were pretty flat on the day on, uh, on Friday. Let's see how the five-day looked. Um, higher on Monday. Uh, pretty stable throughout the the rest of the week, though. So um, nice to see it, uh, albeit the fact that it's only 0.65%. Um, might have not been what we were looking for. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be... Let's take a look. Uh, I'm trying to see if it's going to be a uh, biannual or a quarterly because they used to pay uh, twice a year. And I want to say it was like 1.2% at some point. But, you know, obviously based off the share price. But um, I'm not seeing that on here right now, so I might have to take a little bit further of a look on that. Um, when when did we actually get this dividend? Uh, this was on December 1st, which would have been Friday morning, 6 a.m. So that one uh, really didn't do anything for the actual uh, share price, it looks like, on Friday. But uh, nice to see that they're actually getting that back and, and reinstating that. And that has been something that uh, a lot of Disney investors were really waiting to see what they were going to do with uh, with the dividend. Uh, kind of a big talking point for a long time. Now, Disney. Oh, no, not Disney. Sorry. Uh, Apple and Paramount are actually looking to team up and get uh, Paramount Plus and Disney Plus. Or sorry, Apple. I'm, I'm on Disney right now. I got to get off this page. Apple and Paramount, both platforms under one umbrella. 
uh, for less than what you would pay for both of them together. And uh, hopefully that drives some more business for both of them. Uh, definitely the streaming wars is ongoing. You know, with Disney trying to buy the rest of uh, Hulu from Comcast, we've got that one going on. We've got, uh, you know, Netflix trying to, you know, really crack down on the password sharing and how many people are using that and really driving more member growth through uh, really cracking down on who can actually access it. So we've got uh, that going. Uh, Amazon Prime, you know, definitely still a contender there. I, I normally don't flip that one on for whatever reason. I went ahead and flipped that on the other day just to see what was even on the platform anymore. Uh, my kids found some stuff that they wanted to watch, so we flipped that on. Um, it's always back and forth as to who's got what channels and what shows. You're looking for one Christmas movie, and you think it was on one, and now it's on three other platforms, but not the one you pay for. It's definitely frustrating. So if they bring that all together, and you're getting Apple and Paramount for one money, uh, you know you got Netflix that uh, obviously owns a, a huge catalog, but then Disney, Hulu uh espn all on one that's definitely convenient for a lot of people you got a lot of different ways to access uh different uh entertainment through those three it's nice to see that they're kind of coming together uh the fact that you know we basically spend more on the different streaming platforms than we probably ever did on cable uh it kind of defeats the purpose right I, I really didn't think i was going to have to have 12 of them uh, I think we've only got like three right now. Some of them are free from different subscriptions for uh, phone plans or whatever else. But, uh, you know, neither here nor there. But the fact that you've got to continually add more streaming platforms are, is definitely painful. So the the fact that uh, they're trying to come together and really get more pricing power, more, uh, you know, content in our hands, I definitely think makes sense. Uh, so that's what's going on on that front. Uh, we did talk about the fact that I've got that... Uh, that uh, rental or uh, not rental, the, the flip house up for sale that went live. Uh, I want to say it was like Tuesday. We've had, I don't know, five, six showings. If you're interested in the uh, the real estate market, this is kind of what we're up against right now. Uh, I think we're looking to possibly have two offers in hand by the end of today. Uh, I know that we had uh, one showing where they were impressed with the house. They wanted to show the rest of their family uh, today and then kind of come back and get an, an offer in hand if the rest of the family went, uh, you know, agreed with the, the decision. Uh, we also had, uh, I think, three showings on Saturday. So a couple of those uh, might actually come through and I, I haven't heard anything yet, but uh, definitely curious to see what happens. And uh, really hoping that someone can close soon. That'd be uh, that'd be great. I don't want to do these carrying costs much longer. Uh, the money that we have borrowed, uh, it's costing uh, seventeen hundred a month in order to uh, use that capital. So it's not a small payment, right? We definitely have the uh, the line of credit at that variable rate. It's probably around seven and a half to eight percent right now. Um, so that is definitely uh, expensive when it comes to borrowing money. If we would have done this a few years ago, the, the purchase prices would have probably been higher, but uh, the cost of capital would have been a lot less. So if you were looking to flip, it definitely makes sense because uh, it didn't really matter, right? Your your payment would have been low. And if you could flip it and uh, get out of it, you really weren't spending that much on carrying costs. So definitely more uh, uh, cost effective with lower rates, even though the, the purchase price was higher than uh, having a lower priced house with the um with the interest rates um lower priced with interest rates higher sorry i was thinking about the uh, the next thing i wanted to say which was uh yeah we went to that auction 
of the real estate house on the same street that we are selling ours on. Uh, and now that one went for crazy money. We had a number somewhere around 175. And I remind you, this thing was in pretty awful shape. Uh, everything needed out of this house. Uh, it would have been fully cleaned out. The The roof was, uh, I believe the roof on that one was leaking. There was some water damage throughout, but the whole house has just been neglected. Um, only thing that left, left that really didn't need change was a water heater that was replaced in 2018 and the HVAC was like from 2015. So a little bit of tune up there and we would have been okay. But yeah, the our number on it was 175. That's really where we felt comfortable. Uh, you know, we probably had to put 80-ish into it maybe 70 and then just depend on how much water damage we really had to fix and then we would have been able to sell it for uh, three and a quarter roughly that's a uh, pretty much the same as what we are looking to get out of our property now um this one didn't make sense right we we started the auction at a hundred thousand dollars it quickly went up to 120 150 someone just said hey 180 i was like ah oh, we're, we're out and, and it kind of paused there for a second i thought is it gonna stop there and it just kept going. And I do not understand this thing. It went uh, 200, 220, 225. Uh, and then you know, it finally got up to 245. And remind you, I still think that this thing needed, um, you know, 70 at the minimum. So you're, you know, you're over 300. Yeah, you've still got commissions on it. You've still got, uh, you know, if you go to sell it, you're still going to pay commissions and you're, you're, you don't have any money left. So if you were going to uh, buy it and then live in it, that's one thing. But uh, if you're looking to do it for uh, a rental or for uh, flipping it, I don't, I don't see any which way that you're going to make money on this property in, uh, in this market uh, with the carrying costs, with everything else that's going on and be any kind of feasible. So uh, we let that one go. We did make an offer on another house in the same neighborhood. We're really trying to see if that one uh, won't work. Uh, it is not bank owned. It is a corporate owned. So one of the ones probably from, um, I don't know if Redfin or Zillow. I've, I think one of these different companies was buying up a bunch of different properties. Could be Vanguard. I don't know who owns it, but um, we're trying to buy it from them. Now it is basically a computer driven algorithm, whether you get it or not. We submitted an offer, automatically declined. So we raised it. We're going to try and see if that doesn't uh, you know, go through, and then maybe we'll throw a little bit more at it. But uh, after that, it's done. We're, we're not chasing this one. So uh, the first one's out. The second one, uh, I don't know, and uh, we'll see what happens from here. Uh, so yeah, that's what I got there. We've uh, got uh, some other talk about uh, BlackRock potentially um, mo um, not modifying. Yeah, I guess we'll call it modifying. They're manipulating. That's the, that's the word I'm looking for. Manipulating the price of Bitcoin based on the fact that they're thinking that an ETF is going to be approved. So they're kind of, you know, buy it, sell it off, buy it back cheaper, trying to make it to where they are winning this battle. And, uh, you know, Bitcoin is surging right now. We're at uh, 39,912, you know, really, really close here to 40,000. I really hope that we can get above uh, 40 and stay there. Let's see on the uh, uh, on the one week chart. I don't think we broke 40 yet. We're 39.6. Yeah, 39.9. I don't I don't think we've broken up above that. But uh, interesting to see what happens here. Over the past week on Bitcoin, we're up about another 5.8%. So really, uh, yeah, I, I'm really thinking that if we do get this ETF approved, for spot Bitcoin prices, I think this is going to really take off. 
uh, I think people are are really waiting uh, to have some kind of uh, notification whether this thing's going to happen or not. And I think the floodgates are going to open. So I'm definitely curious what happens there. Uh, Ethereum, yeah, we're we're cruising up a little bit on that uh, 2191. And uh, what's the one week looking like on Ethereum? Uh, up about 4.76%. And um, yeah, definitely nice to see that one moving up with uh, the rest of the S&P. I think I said it was about 8.9% up for uh, November. And uh, we'll obviously see what happens going forward with all these different things. But um, what else we got? We've got uh, Broadcom. They went ahead and merged with VMware. That was a $69 billion merger. And... Uh, the CEO of Broadcom is basically telling the VMware employees, get back to work, right? Get back to the office, get in here. Let's get going on this thing. Let's bring these two companies together. And uh, it seems like a lot of them were remote and they really want to stay that way. They're talking about a lot of uh, synergies between the two companies working together, getting in the office, meeting each other, having that camaraderie and really trying to make the company one rather than having uh kind of two different umbrellas under the same name and hey you got your vmware people over here you got your broadcom people over there we're really trying to make it all one uh you know one place one uh, company and and really try to see that uh work going forward uh broadcom is probably one of the uh the better performers that i have had in my investing tenure here um i can take take a look at this one let's see where broadcom is right now we are sitting at $930. Uh, we've got uh, over the past one month, uh, we definitely are coming back down. We did hit a high of around $999.87 on the 20th of November. We're coming back down a little bit, probably to do with this uh, this merger, uh, a little bit of profit taking on that. Uh, trailing 12 months, PE is looking at 29. The quarterly dividends looking at about 2%. Uh, I'm still definitely happy with this one. This is uh, definitely uh, one of the best performers that I have been able to uh, and invest in from kind of from the beginning. I, I want to say my uh, my price point uh, on this is, uh, let, let me just pull it up. I don't want to get this one wrong. Let's see where we're at. So AVGO, my cost basis is uh, $293.69. I was going to say it was somewhere in the $200 range, but I didn't want to be $350, and, and give you guys the wrong number. So this is a 216% return for me over probably the past, oh man, probably six or seven years at this point. But uh, definitely one that uh, I am happy that I have owned. Oh no, you know what? It's actually not even that long. It's since uh, 2019. That's when I started buying this one. So definitely nice. We did uh, enter into this one in uh, December of, of 19 and then was able to average down uh, all through the beginning of the pandemic. That's really one of the stocks I was really buying. I did multiple buys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight buys in the course of two months uh, of March and April of 2020. I was definitely buying this one at the lows. So I'm definitely glad that I was able to do that. Um, it was definitely hard to, to hold your breath, dive in, and uh, buy through a lot of these cycles that uh, are just really scary. But uh, now it is looking like, man, uh, buying this at uh, 190, I had one buy at 169, 203, 202. Man, I mean, that looks that looks great, right? It's like, uh, you know, now we're sitting at 930. I wish I could buy this thing, uh, more of it in the, the $100 or $200 handle. I mean, that would definitely be great news. But we definitely want to look at options for what stocks are going to take off going forward and how do we spot them early. 
I think a lot of the talk of what the Fed is saying about uh, the fact that we're going to potentially get four or six rate cuts next year is really telling of what stocks are going to benefit from that, right? We're, we're definitely looking at a lot of different names that are going to be very interest rate sensitive. And, uh, you know, a lot of them aren't going to really care so much about what the economy is doing. We've got a lot of different REITs that are going to be very rate sensitive uh, because a lot of them have paid too much for properties. They need to refi on a lot of these loans. I've got debt coming due. But, uh, you know, some different names that I think are still going to be well needed, regardless of what the economy is doing. And people are still going to have to live in these places that some different real estate investment trusts own. So we've got that. We've also got some different growth stocks that I really think are starting to make sense. Uh, I think Kathy Wood's uh, ARK Invest Fund had the best one month uh, in the past couple years. So we're definitely seeing some more people get back into growth stocks as uh, rates are forecasted to come down as well. So it could definitely be a spot to really think to get into some different growth names, right? We've got uh, different AI companies taking off. Uh, one of them was uh, Upstart. I want to take a look at UPST. And man, I think they had a uh, yeah they had a twenty one percent gain on Friday alone. So definitely a company that um, is in the Arc funds. They're in the AI space. They've got a lot of people looking to get behind this one. Um, might not be the best pick of what I'm looking at. I know they went up twenty one percent Friday, so that kind of caught my eye. And thinking, you know, what other names can we look at? But I think a lot of these different growth names that have been sold off. Uh, you know, kind of thrown out with the bathwater might start making sense as uh, rates come down and more people have more tolerance for growth. And, uh, you know, we're probably getting out of a lot of the different uh, the bonds and the CDs and the money market. And uh, I think a lot of this money is going to start coming back into some of these growth names, some of these dividend names that were uh, under uh, that dividend was under what you could get in bonds or CDs. Right. So if you can't get uh, that five, six percent on those uh, you know, safe money plays, where do you start to look? And I think a lot of times we're going to look at a lot of these dividend names that have not really performed as well as we thought they might. So that makes me think of, uh, you know, some, some different healthcare names. That makes me think of some energy names that um, have been kind of left behind in a lot of this different uh, market craziness that's been out there. So that's what I'm going to take a look at here in a minute. Um, we're going to take a look at the investing challenge from week 49. Uh, I will do a quick recap. We got SoFi, Visa, uh, Bristol Myers. We've got Toro Tractor Company and ExxonMobil. So SoFi, uh, SOFI, V, VMY, TTC, and XOM. I'll take a look at those five and the five that I'm looking at for week 50. We've only got, uh, well, I got one buy that's going to be coming up on Monday. And then we got three more votes for the rest of the year. So please make sure you get over to let it grow investing on Facebook. Get your votes in for one of the five that I'm going to be talking about next. Uh, if you do not follow along, please make sure that you click subscribe. And uh, if you could go ahead and uh, share the podcast with some others to get some uh, more people interested in uh, what we're doing over here. So thank you guys very much. I'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, guys, I am back here. And uh, that break actually took quite a bit longer than I had anticipated. Uh, simply because a lot of stocks have run up more than I really thought that they had. And it just really made it seem very tough to get into them right now. So I was really trying to uh, sift through with kind of a fine tooth comb and see what made sense. 
uh, see some stocks that might have sold off or really didn't participate in the rally of 2023. Uh, so that knocked out a lot of the big stocks, right? Magnificent seven. Uh, you know, I was even looking at Microsoft. There's only about 6% of upside uh, from the analysts in the next 12 months. So that didn't really uh, seem to work. The dividend's not quite there. The market cap is absolutely massive at $2.7 trillion. So a lot of different things I didn't like there. Um, I will get into those five that I did decide uh, to go with for week 50. Uh, for week 49, we, again, SoFi, uh, Visa, Bristol-Myers, Toro Tractor, and uh, ExxonMobil. Now, we did have a tie. We had a tie between SoFi and Bristol-Myers. Uh, I was looking at both, and I'm trying to decide which one do I really want to add right now. And that kind of gives me a, a minute to do commentary on the two of them. Uh, well, SoFi did get a couple downgrades this week. They are getting out of crypto. They are looking to uh, have their users uh, open a, uh, I think it was blank chain, blackchain.com crypto account. That is kind of going to be their partner for uh, SoFi users to start a crypto account over there. They did get some downgrades on price. Uh, the the actual price target upside is now less. It was about 33% last week. Uh, and now it's looking like it's about 26%. So not as much upside, no dividend. Uh, a couple things that I didn't really like the narrative on. I'm still bullish on this one. I have a larger position in SoFi than I do Bristol-Myers. I believe I sold out of Bristol-Myers uh, probably a, a couple years ago. And I never really re-entered this one. Uh, now, Bristol-Myers, uh, let's take a look over here at BMY and see what I am looking at when I'm looking at uh, this ticker. Well, we know that they had uh, you know, quite a strong pipeline. They've got uh, some other drugs that are slated to come out in a few years and uh, patents not expiring to, what was it, 2028? Man, I'm trying to go back, uh, I don't know, probably four months in my head and think when those patents were expiring. We're sitting near a yearly low, right? We, uh, we hit 48.25 on the 30th of November. Now, we did move up... Uh, about 76 cents, uh, 72 cents uh, on Friday for about 1.4% of gains. Uh, so we've got uh, a little bit of a coming off the bottom here. We still have um, about a 4.6% dividend yield. We've got a pretty low PE at 16.9. From Trefis, we're saying we've got about a 56% uh, upside for a price estimate of 77.39. But uh, when I'm looking over at uh, Refinitiv, which used to be Reuters, now Refinitiv, uh, we're in the hold range, but uh, really close to that buy target. We've got about 28% upside from 22 analysts for that uh, that price target of 63.20. We've got um, revenues that were negative for 2023, still going to be negative uh, forecasted for 2024, but only by 0.6 of a percent. So we got uh, some some revenues coming back up, although still in the red. We've got uh, dividend growth of 5.6%, dividend payout ratio at 57.8. Now, I was looking at uh, some other ones for week 50. Uh, Pfizer comes to mind, and uh, their payout ratio was just too high for me. It was at 89.5%, so I had to cut that one out. But uh, Bristol-Myers is looking like it's it's in the dividend growth space. It's, it's getting uh, the, a little bit larger of a payout every year. Uh, they're able to cover that dividend uh, with a dividend coverage ratio of 3.3. Uh, like I said, the current dividend yield is pretty strong at 
We've got um, 31% discount on that forward PE, 52% discount on trailing PE. You got a price to sales that's sitting at a 2.2, well, their five-year average being a 3.6. That's a 38% discount. So definitely a lot of things I like about Bristol-Myers over SoFi, given some of the changes that happened to SoFi this week. And uh, really, that is the reasons that I'm going to go ahead and add Bristol-Myers uh, for week 49 for the uh, Let It Grow Investing Challenge here on the podcast. Uh, and then that'll give us uh, three more weeks to add to our 104 stock picks that we made over the past two years. And uh, we should you know, be well over 20,000. I believe we were in the green. Let's take a look at the Webull portfolio and see what we've got over there. There are links in the description to uh, get you going. If you need to get an account going, we've got those over there. Uh, use my link to get some free shares when you sign up. Uh, simply make an account, use my link, and deposit as little as a dollar to get going. Uh, now, when I'm looking at our Webull account for the investing challenge, purely all the stocks that we have added uh, through the past two years are in this one account. Uh, there is, we're in the green. Uh, I'll take it that we're in the green, right? We're up $221, 1.13%. Uh, this account is now valued at $20,299. And uh, we spent a lot of time in the red in 2022. So we have clawed our way out of that right now. Hopefully it can stay there and uh, continue to grow for the rest of the year. So that's what I'm doing. That's why I decided to make that call to go with, uh, with Bristol Myers. Um, I still like Visa. I still like Exxon. I still like Toro. I still think that they're great opportunities uh, maybe not so much since last week. Maybe they had some some different things that traded down as well. Definitely do your own due diligence. Not a investing, uh, you know, recommendation. Just kind of my thoughts here. And um, yeah, now going forward for week fifty, we've got um, five new stocks. And like I said, this one was tough. This one was was really really tough. And uh, let's uh, let's just dive right in. Right, stock number one is going to be Dominion Energy. And uh, Dominion, yeah, I mean. Uh, along with a lot of the other energy stocks, let's uh, let's take a look and see what Dominion has actually been doing. Um, this one I really didn't look at. Uh, the reason I didn't look at this one is because we bought this one in week 50 of last year. So I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to average in more to this name. We are sitting at 46.67. Uh, we've got a dividend of about 5.8%. So nice in the way of a dividend. Uh, we do have an insider sell of about 284,000. Not always the best news, right? I'd rather see insiders buying, but you know, maybe they had to, do, you know, spend uh, some money for Christmas, buy a uh, piece of property. I have no idea, but they sold $284,000 worth of stock. We've got uh, Dominion Energy Partners with Virginia State University on cutting edge battery storage pro uh, project. Uh, so they're trying to build more uh, battery storage, it looks like. We've got. Uh, uh, a stock that is really, let's take a look at the one year. We are down for the year, right? We were sitting at uh, 62.90. Um, this was last uh, January, this past January, uh, 1.9 of 2023. We were sitting at 62.90. So now we have definitely had a haircut here down to 46.67. That dividend yield looks pretty nice. Uh, I know a lot of people were getting out of a lot of these utilities, trying to get into some safer names. Not even safer names, but uh, different asset classes. Going to bonds, going to uh, CDs, going to money market accounts, uh, and they're still getting that dividend without having the risk of uh, what the economy does 
and uh, possible recession fear. So again, I still think as rates come back down, a company like D Dominion is going to be able to grow more. And they're also going to get people that uh, really are going to be chasing this 5.8% dividend yield as they get out of bonds and they can't get that yield in bonds anymore. So could be some different reasons to buy into some of these names that have a uh, higher dividend, but um, really haven't been treated too well over the past uh, 12 months or so. So when I'm looking at this on uh, on Refinitiv, we've got a uh, price target upside of only about 8.7%, but uh, you, know, you add in that 6%, almost 6% dividend yield. You're sitting somewhere in the mid 14s. You feel a little bit better about that, right? We've got uh, revenues, uh, you know, pretty much flat for 2024, sitting at negative uh, 0.3% of growth. Uh, so not much on the nothing on the way of growth. Dividend growth 1.4%, not too not too great. Uh, they're definitely paying a little bit more, but we're already getting that six percent. So uh, how much more do we really think that they can uh, pay out? We're getting a dividend payout ratio of uh, about 63.3%. Uh, so um, getting to the point where it's a little bit high, but on a utility, it's probably right in line. Dividend coverage, they can definitely cover this one. It's sitting at 3.2. And uh, like I said, that current dividend yield at 5.9%. We've got a 17% discount on forward PE. So trading cheaper than it normally does, which is nice to see. We've got... Uh, Forward P, yeah, forward P, we, we already did. Price of sales sitting at a 2.2. The peg ratio is non-existent because we don't have any uh, uh, forecasted growth in the next year. So that is a, a, a null number. We don't have anything for that. So yeah, that is uh, number one. That is going to be Dominion. I, I think we've got uh, a nice reason to buy into that, uh, that dividend. People are going to keep them lights on regardless of what happens in the economy. We're still going to be seeing some uh, some spend there. Maybe not as much. Maybe more people are doing solar and they aren't able to sell as much in the way of electricity. I'm not too sure why this uh, this growth, uh, revenue growth is not going to be happening for 2024. But uh, that is what I'm seeing there. Maybe their costs are going up and they simply aren't going to have the growth at the end of the year. They can't raise the rates of utilities as it's going to be regulated as to how much they can actually bump up their prices for their customers. And their costs uh, simply are just going to continue to go up. So we've got that. Uh, number two, um, this was actually on, uh, I believe, Motley Fool. I was looking at uh, some different recommendations, and this one came up, and that is EPD, and that is uh, Energy Product uh, Partners, right? Uh, so they are going to be in the energy space. Um, let's get to the, the definition here or the description here. We've got about 7.5% of dividend yield here. So if you're a dividend investor, definitely one that... Uh, is going to catch your eye when you're looking at uh, at a company here. They've got uh, they provide midstream energy services to producers of consumers and natural uh, of natural gas, uh, NGLs, natural gas, liquids, crude oil, petrochemicals, refined products. They have four different segments. They got pipelines and services. They've got uh, uh, that includes natural gas and processing and related NGL marketing activities. NGL pipelines, NGL fractionation facilities, NGL and related product storage facilities, and NGL marine terminals. So a lot of moving of the uh, the actual crude oils and the natural gas liquids, and uh, they are profitable in doing so. They've been able to raise this dividend. They have enough money to continue to pay this dividend. It is well covered. So it's not one of those that is uh, paying out 7.5% that you really have to worry about. They uh, normally are able to pay out more in the way of dividends than most other companies. Uh, a lot of the way that it's structured being a, a limited partnership, 
Uh, so yeah, your taxes might be a little bit different on that. Definitely consult your, your tax advisor before you go ahead and purchase some of these. But um, yeah, one that is going to pay out more. Uh, I think it's going to be safely covered and um, one that you're going to be able to sleep all right at night with, with getting a, a dividend that high. It's uh, firmly rated as a buy on uh, Refinitiv. We've got uh, average price target upside of about 19.1% and that's 7.5% uh, dividend. So definitely nice there. Uh, we've got, um, let's take a look here. Dividend growth, yeah. Dividend growth, 5.4%. Dividend payout sitting at 80, but uh, they are known to pay out most of their uh, profit in the way of dividends. Forward PE sitting at about a 7% discount. We've got uh, forward peg ratio at uh, 1.7. So a little bit pricey there. Their five-year average is a 1.5, but their price to sales is, uh, is lower than their five-year average at a 1.2. Uh, so yeah, a couple different things that make sense there. You're getting quite a dividend. You've got a good amount of upside, and uh, I think it could be a good ad for you there. Uh, number three is going to be Chewy. Uh, and this one was getting downgraded on some different inflation-related fears. I believe Bank of America came out and cut the price target on the ticker CHWY, uh, the online pet uh, you know, food and product supplier. And uh, for those reasons, this one got pretty well beat down from $20.50 down to about $17.25 over the course of the past five days. And uh, now uh, I'm thinking that this one might not actually have much more downside left in it. We've got uh, you know a lot of people selling out of this one based on this, uh, this price target cut from uh, B of A, I believe it was. And uh, it might actually be more of a growth stock, right? We've got um, a lot of that inflation is really cooked in. We know that those numbers are coming down. We know that uh, you know people were saying that they don't have as much money to spend on their pets, but eventually this is going to turn around. So is it at a point where we feel that we can start to pick up some of the pieces and people are going to continue to spend money on their pets? They still have them. They still got to feed them. They're still going to buy the different things that they need. And uh, yes, it might've been a little bit tight there for a while, but I don't know that that is going to be a longstanding trend. Uh, I think it might just be the current state of what's going on out there. Uh, so I'm thinking that maybe we can start to see some some rebound here play for uh, CHWI. Uh, let's take a look at what uh, Refinitiv says. We are rated as a buy. We've got, uh, well, this says 95% of upside. We've got, uh, let's go down a little bit more and see what they say. Uh, forecasted revenue growth for, of uh, 12% for 2024 and 22% by the end of 2025. So we're still growing on that revenue. Uh, yes, their costs are getting more expensive. We definitely know that. Uh, Who's aren't? Uh, their forward PE is way out of whack. It is sitting at a 497, which is uh, you know quite a bit higher than their five-year average of 100, uh, their forward PE being 100. Uh, so it's you know almost five times. Uh, probably simply because the, the earnings or, or price is, I'm going to guess it's got to be the earnings. The earnings has got to be on here somewhere. Um, EPS, uh, looks like it's been fairly consistent. Uh, EPS over the past four years has gone up. Uh, we're going to have to see what happens for 24. It might drop off in 24 and then kind of climb back up through 2025. 
uh, although the the revenues are increasing. So it doesn't look like we're going to have the actual earnings per share make it to that bottom line from the revenue that we are actually able to pull in and increase. So they are uh, bringing in more customers, although that uh, that money is not quite making it to the bottom line. Uh, so we've got that uh, to contend with. We've got price to sales, very low, sitting at 8.2, uh, the five-year average being 8.7, uh, the S&P 500 index average being a 2.4. So trading cheap there, uh, that peg ratio is not available. So that's what I've got there. I think that this one could, uh, could be more of a rebound play. I don't know that this is going to be a long-term hold for me. This might be something that we, if we do decide to buy this one, it could be something that we exit out of and uh, really monitor to see where this one goes and keep an eye on it. We, we definitely need to do that with some of the other stocks. And uh, I think as we get to the end of the year, it might be time to sell off some of them, get some of that capital back and be able to reinvest into some other names or simply buy a, uh, S&P 500 ETF uh, to get that money into some other uh, areas while we're sitting on that money. Uh, number four was going to be a warehousing e, uh, REIT, which is going to be PLD or Prologis. Um, again, it was, a, it was pretty tough to come up with a, a REIT that really made sense. A lot of them have already kind of rebounded. Uh, I think a lot of them, uh, MPW included, O included, uh, Ventus, uh, VTR, uh, they were in that category as well. They already, already rebounded. And not to say that uh, PLD didn't. Uh, you know, PLD was sitting at $96 on the 27th of October. Now we're sitting at uh, 118 So they've gone up north of 20 points in the course of uh, a month and a few days. And they're kind of trading right in the middle of their 52-week uh, range here, uh, the high being 136 and that, uh, that low being 96 uh, set back in October. But I'm thinking that this one in the warehousing space in that real estate that they own is still going to be valuable. And uh, they've got very strong uh, you know, tenants. They have very high occupancy rates. And uh, they continue building out more facilities uh, as more and more warehousing is needed for all these different businesses that are not having a storefront, but they are choosing to uh, have warehousing facilities and, and shipping and distribution uh, facilities. So I still think that this one is, could be a, uh, a good player. We've still got a solid dividend. We are in a buy rating. We've got um, about 16.5% of price target upside. We've got uh, revenues that are really increasing. We've got uh, revenues for 23 increasing about 40%. And uh, 55, uh, call it 56% by the end of 24. Dividend growth of about 13%. Awesome to see that. Uh, dividend payout ratio at 74, which is high but it is a REIT. They're going to have to pay out more in the way of dividends. Uh, dividend coverage at 1.6, which is fairly comfortable. Uh, and that current dividend yield sitting about 3%. So 9% discount on forward PE. Uh, price to sales is at a 15.7 under their uh, five-year average of a 19.5, um, which is going to be a little bit skewed because it is a REIT. Uh, so yeah, that is going to be number four, PLD for Prologis. And then number five, I'm getting back over to energy, and we're going to look at Next Era Energy, uh, another one that I think could uh, continue to grow. They have got uh, some of the best growth rates in the energy space. They are focused on a lot of different uh, renewable energy, and I think that might be a good way to play this trend. The dividend yield sitting about a 3.2. We've got, um, let's take a look here, buy ratings. We've got 
about 24% of upside from 19 different analysts. So nice to see that there. Revenue increasing about 26% for 2023 and 29% by the end of 24. We've got a dividend growth of about 10.1%. So that's awesome. We've also got a dividend payout ratio a lot more comfortable here at 49.5%. Dividend coverage at 2.3 times. So that is uh, nice to see as well. It should be a nice, uh, safe dividend. We've got uh, a 37% discount on their forward PE. Uh, so the more that I look at this one, the the more that I like uh, Next Era Energy. Uh, and you can definitely get more dividend, but I don't know that you're going to get a company with more growth in the way of energy companies. And um, Ford Peg trading at a 2.2 uh, versus a five-year average of a 3.2. And uh, yes, it's a little bit higher than the uh, the S&P 500, but it is going to be a lot more stable than a lot of these other growth companies. So you might pay a little bit more for that growth based on the fact that it is a utility rather than uh, some other technology company that's going to be a lot more volatile. So I'm comfortable buying this one. Uh, the price of sales is sitting at a, a 4.3 based uh, or the five-year average being a 7.3. So less than their uh, their five year average on price to sales, and that forward uh, PE also shows the same thing. So I'm thinking that this one is going to uh, continue building. We've already seen a lot of the uh, solar companies start to come back. Uh, Enphase, Sunrun, a lot of those other names have started to uh, rebound. I'm thinking that we might start to see some utilities in the way of Dominion, which is going to be you know old, tried and true, or uh, Next Era uh, start to rally. And uh, then we've got uh, EPD. If you're into the uh, the midstream oil and gas plays, we've got Chewy, and we've got uh, the uh, warehouse company, the REIT uh, Prologis uh, PLD. So that's the five that I got. Please get over to uh, Let It Grow Investing and get your votes in for one of these five. Thank you mu very much for being here. Uh, I will talk to you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.